Welcome to Policy for the People, a show that explores the public policies that can lift up all Oregonians. This show is a collaboration between KMUZ Radio and the Oregon Center for Public Policy. I am your host, Ken Adams. Last month, Congress passed a $1.9 trillion stimulus package, the American Rescue Plan. Some have called it the rescue plan for the most significant piece of legislation in decades. Today on Policy for the People, we'll be examining the American Rescue Plan, what it means for Oregon and the nation. Here to break it down is OCPP Senior Policy Analyst, Janet Bauer. Good morning, Janet. Hello, Ken. Let's talk about policy. So, Janet, what do you think? Is the American Rescue Plan the most significant legislation in decades? Good question. I would say yes and no. Without a doubt, there are many parts of the legislation that will have a big positive impact on Americans and people in Oregon. Um, and the bill gives us a glimpse of what a better economy could look like. Um, it can help show us the power we have through public policy to have a more equitable society. And I'll talk about that a little bit. Um, The best example of this is probably the changes to the child tax credit, since it will lift huge numbers of families with children in Oregon out of poverty. But on the other hand, the reach of the rescue plan is limited, and the most groundbreaking aspects of it last for just one year. That's because of budget limitations and the way that Congress put the bill together. Uh, So I would say hopefully Congress can get back and extend many of the important parts of the bill to make them permanent. So what is the American Rescue Plan supposed to rescue us from? (laughs) That's a great question. So, of course, there's an economic crisis now brought on by the pandemic, but We need to keep in mind that there was a crisis brewing even before the pandemic. Why do I say that? Because prior to the implosion of our economy last year, we were having unprecedented economic expansion coming out of the Great Recession. And that was great, of course, except that, unfortunately, everyone wasn't feeling it, particularly Oregonians who aren't white because we've had generations of discrimination and barriers, black and indigenous Argonians, prior to the um, pandemic were disproportionately unemployed, despite the fact they were looking for work in a very good job market. And in addition, having a job didn't mean you were secure, no matter what your race was, black, brown, or white. In fact, making ends meet with a job was becoming harder for many workers, not easier over the last decade. I noticed that there was some great findings from the United Way recently, which showed that before the pandemic, fully a third of working Oregonians weren't making enough to pay for the basic things they needed to function, like housing, food, transportation, that sort of thing. The jobs they were able to get after the Great Recession just weren't paying enough. So when COVID hit and it poured gasoline on that fire, people in those lower-wage jobs all of a sudden were in even worse shape. Many lost their jobs. 
And certainly things have improved somewhat since last spring, and the federal relief packages passed last year has prevented a much worse outcome. But I think it's important to ask, how are those working households doing now? Well, many of them are still without work and income. We're still short over 150,000 jobs in Oregon, and most of those are in industries that don't pay very well. The current job shortage disproportionately leaves out women and black and indigenous Argonians and potentially other communities of color. So when surveyors come asking families how they're doing, they're still saying they can't make ends meet. And you and I are still seeing long lines at food pantries. So in a nutshell, the economy wasn't working great for many people before COVID, and the pandemic has made the fault lines in our economy much worse. We're taking this short break to invite you to subscribe to our podcast for free. Find Policy for the People on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Now, back to the show. In the American Rescue Plan, it's a big bill. Can you tell us how people in Oregon will notice its effects? Well, the American Rescue Plan does a lot to help families who are hurting the most. And you're right, there are a lot of parts to the bill. Um, But I like to think about it in two buckets. Um, The first bucket being that the rescue plan continues a whole bunch of things that are already working uh, from that were passed in the previous relief plans. Um, And those are things like it continues the extra weekly unemployment insurance payments and the additional program for self-employed workers. It continues additional uh, SNAP or used to be called food stamp benefits. And it continues rental assistance that Congress appropriated last year. So those basic underpinnings will continue due to the rescue plan temporarily. Then there's another bucket, which I think of as comprising everything that Congress did to help people through the tax code to get specifically to get cash to people. Um, The tax code might seem like an odd way to get cash to people, but in our country, it actually does this regularly. For instance, we get the economic impact payments as a tax provision. So that's how those are going to be continuing. We're going to be getting another installment of them, and many people have, have already gotten them, thankfully. And in addition, in that tax bucket, is that the rescue plan improves a number of tax credits as a way to get more cash to to families who are in need the most. Um, I would say the priorities of the rescue plan are really shown in that second bucket, the benefits it gives through the tax code. And the reason I say that is that those tax changes prioritize families with the least. Most of the tax benefits in the American Rescue Plan go to low- and middle-income families. So those are people 
who have been hard hit by the current recession and are having trouble paying their bills, standing at food pantries, lines, etc. And this is in stark contrast to the bill that was passed by Congress in 2017 during the Trump administration where people in the lower income groups got only about 17% of the tax benefits. It's interesting that you bring that up because I noticed a report recently that said that uh, most of the benefits went to uh, executives and corporations and people high up in those corporations made, I think it was in the 30% range of those tax benefits. And it seems like there's been a lot of that that goes on in in the past over the last 30 or 40 years where they reduce the tax rates, but most of it goes to people with higher income. So what were the tax changes in the rescue plan that made this more beneficial to working people and people of lower income? Well, I mentioned the economic impact payments. Those are now $1,400 per adult and for each child. Um, And it is provided in a more targeted way to households on the low end of the income spectrum um, than the previous payments. So they're more targeted to people who are needing them the most. And the second thing is that they're more generous. Um, The checks this time are twice what was authorized in December. The rescue plan makes the earned income tax credit work better for workers who have no no dependents. In the past, they've been getting a very small benefit, and some were left out of the credit altogether. But I would say the most profound change in the rescue plan is what Congress has done with the child tax credit. First, the credit is a third larger than it has been. So instead of $2,000 per child, parents will receive $3,000, excuse me, $3,000 per child. And in fact, they will get $3,600 for each child under age six. And the most structural, significant structural change impacts families at the very bottom of the income ladder. At least it does for this year in 2021, because the rescue plan eliminates the requirement to have a minimum amount of earnings. Before, when you got the credit, you had to have some earnings. And families in low-wage jobs with very low earnings were only getting a partial child tax credit, not the full amount that most other families were getting. So this plan changes that so families at the lowest end will get the same per child as other families. And in fact, we are expecting the changes to the child tax credit to help 90% of Oregon children and to significantly reduce the number of them in poverty. So we're expecting that the child tax credit will cut child poverty in Oregon by more than 40%. That is a huge accomplishment. So families with no earnings will get a tax refund. Isn't that essentially a guaranteed payment? Yes. The child tax credit and the earned income tax credit actually provide the tax filer a check Uh, Whatever is left after offsetting any taxes, 
that that family owes. And since low-wage workers often owe little or none in federal income taxes, they will get the credits through a what we call a refund check from the IRS. And I should also mention another important change to the child tax credit. Congress specifically adapted the credit to the needs of families on a tight budget. Instead of getting the refund check once a year when they file their taxes, the IRS will start sending the credit in a month, in monthly installments starting in July. That sounds a lot like universal basic income, uh, doesn't it? <laughs> well, in fact, it does. It's interesting that you mention universal basic income. We also hear it as a guaranteed minimum income for everybody. And we heard a lot about it during the last presidential campaign. And I think that that has had an impact. Um, That conversation has shown a real cultural shift, which seems to have influenced this American Rescue Plan. For example, those particular changes to the child tax credit reflect changing assumptions about what economic opportunity is in this country. Um, And what I mean is, for decades, we've assumed that people can make it if they work. The way the child tax credit was originally written, a parent needed to have earnings to get the credit. So I think that the rescue plans eliminating the income requirement in the child tax credit shows a, a recognition that the economy isn't working so well for many of us. Work doesn't necessarily mean upward mobility, and yet our children still need to be nurtured and taken care of. Also, since the Great Recession, we've seen decent-paying jobs replaced by low-wage jobs. So that's been a reality that families have struggled with and the consequences of which we've seen in this pandemic. Working doesn't necessarily mean you can pay your bills, even if you work hard and work two or three jobs. There's also a broader understanding that our economy never did work so well for some people, specifically black and brown people. Um, I think that there's this idea that human well-being has inherent social value, and that idea is becoming more accepted. There's also research, something else that may have influenced the way Congress developed the child tax credit in this legislation is this growing research on on poverty and its impact on children. There's a growing understanding that poverty itself is bad for kids and inhibits child development and that that damage can last a lifetime. They've found this especially true when children experience poverty in early childhood or if it lasts through a large part of a child's growing up time. And the overwhelming evidence shows that a child who experiences poverty has worse outcomes in virtually every way, from physical and mental health to educational attainment to earnings as an adult and risky behaviors. So... I think that that is another contributing context to the momentum behind making the child tax credit available to every family, regardless of their income. 
I wonder about the using the tax code to provide this support. Why are we doing that? Are there any drawbacks to doing it? Well, what I would say is that the rescue plan makes our child tax credit very similar to structures in other developed countries that provide cash support to families who are raising children. It's sometimes called a child allowance or a family allowance. Um, Some countries give it as a tax credit through the tax code, like we are, and many simply send checks each month uh, through other mechanisms. But regardless, most countries recognize that regular monthly payments are more helpful to families than a lump sum at tax time. That's because many families raising children don't have much in the way of cash reserves. So the rescue plan does make an accommodation um, in this way, and families will be getting their benefit in monthly payments starting in July so they can incorporate it into their monthly budget. So even though we are using our tax code, it has been modified to function in a way that works best for households and provides a regular payment. I would imagine this last year that would have been very helpful to a lot of families that maybe their the parents' employment stopped because of the pandemic, and then they have no other source of income. So that would have been ex- especially helpful at, at you know in this last year. Can you say more about family budgets, and will the rescue plan really help? Well, um, for a low-wage family, the new child tax credit will be transformative, I would say. Most families with two children will get $500 per month. All of the tax provisions of the rescue plan are very targeted to low- and moderate-income households. So when we're thinking about everything in that tax bucket I mentioned, like the economic impact payments and the changes to the child tax credit, earned income tax credit, um, and some other improvements, impacts on family budgets at the lowest end are are profound. For instance, the lowest income households, whether or not they have children, will see an average annual income increase of 20%. When we put that in dollar terms, the lowest income, one-fifth of Americans, will get an average of $3,400 per year. Low-income families with children will see the largest boost. They'll see their income increase by 35%, and their average benefit is $7,700. Middle-income households will get somewhat less. Essentially, what this is, is it's really tax policy that serves need instead of greed, as we like to say. Uh, What do you see the next step for changing the economy so it doesn't leave people behind? Because I do think that's a lot of what's fueling people feeling lost in this time? Well, Congress absolutely needs to make the tax changes permanent. Um, As I mentioned earlier, Congress had a budget limit, so the key measures we've been talking about only last for one year. And the other thing, uh, another thing that we should do is do what nearly all other wealthy countries do and invest in childcare. Our families are virtually on their own when it comes to the cost of childcare, and it's a problem 
most families can't afford. It keeps many people, mostly women, out of the workforce. And I'm really glad to see that Congress is beginning to work on a large infrastructure package that would make some pretty meaningful investments in child care and the care, care economy generally. Um, and I would say that it's too early to say right now whether it will become a reality, but it's certainly encouraging to see that child care is part of the discussion. Sounds like you and I may be having a future discussion on the infrastructure package. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Oh, I, I hope so. That would be that would be great. Now, is there anything else about the rescue plan that we haven't discussed that you'd like to touch on? Yeah, I think what is exciting about the rescue plan is that it potentially signals a change in direction away from leaving workers to fend for themselves and toward an economy where we look at things more holistically and recognizing the economy works best when people have basic security. It's also clear that going back to the way things were before the pandemic isn't something we need to, we should aspire to, since going back to a situation where nearly half of families in Oregon are struggling to pay the bills in a good economic times, that should not be our goal, and we can certainly do better. I think the American Rescue Plan, despite the, those time limitations, is starting to show us uh, that there is a better way. Well, Janet, I want to thank you for coming on today. And for listeners who want to learn more about your work and that of OCPP, where can they go? All of our research is available on our website at ocpp.org. You can sign up to get our email updates and be notified when we publish our new work. You can follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at OCPP News. Thank you, Janet. Thank you for listening to Policy for the People. Please remember to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite app.